So now in the terms of this uh, gathering, we're just tipping over the midway, the midpoint. So there's been a, quite a lot of things arising for us all, I'm sure, in the terms of having come in, having landed a little bit, opening up, coming in, experiencing all the things we've been experiencing. There's a kind of enriching and filling up with that. There's a point at which one says, okay, this is how it is now. And just holding that, giving that, giving that the time to go its own way. So there's a kind of quietening of any volition, any pushing, any expectation, any you know solutions, just holding it, letting it roll its, its own way. And uh, so there's a sense of, of um, care, prudence. And uh, so this morning I thought I'd look to talk about respect, and particularly respecting space. <clears throat> and respect, um, it's understood in the, in the spiritual way, is uh, a kind of spacious love. It's, it's, it's in fact, it's equanimity again. You know, it's that sense of holding, holding the the experience, the felt experience, without any strategies or end games, or should be another way. So it's a kind of respectful holding, and this word respect can have many flavorings and can be used in different ways. But I'm meaning it in this way, and particularly respecting space, respecting space. <clears throat> having respect for one's space. Um, this uh, both uh, this experience is rather rare uh, in the social world because there's a huge amount of impact, uh, unchosen, unrequested, unnegotiated impact coming from the world around us, the media, uh, everything is not respecting our space but jumping into it, impacting a lot of impact impressions. Um, so it's continually pulling our attention out into a, uh, an experience of that, that tingling, that vibrating, that whatever runs through you when stuff touches you, when stuff hits you. Mm-hmm. Sights, sounds, excitements, blandishments, threats, and so forth, uh, promises, enticements come and they're pulling at more than just a visual way, but also a psychological way. So is that both the visual, auditory, whatever, and a psychological push, pulling out into, you know, get excited, get happy, get angry, get motivated, get busy, get important, get on. You know, it's a pulling out of one's energies and presence into this kind of unrolling uh, that is not, not one's own, you know. So we end up running in a race that we can never win and we never really wanted to be in. <laughs> Therefore feeling inadequate. <laughs> yeah. So this impacting experience. But the, one of the results of it is that when one is pulled out so much, not just uh, through the senses, but psychologically pulled out uh, you know, into compulsions, into 
having to be something, make something, do something, find something, something or the other, that it's like you're losing your center. You know, one's centrality, one's ability to just be quietly, intimately present and still and completed is, uh, is taken away. It's a sort of robbery, really. Mm. And without an adequate center, we don't, we might not even think this through or know what one, but I'm suggesting something you can let wash over your mind and see if there's a kind of an answer, a resonance in there. You know, to me, it becomes, uh, that's the way it seems to me. A loss of center, which means a loss of inner okay, not because of something happening, not because of something I'm doing, not with something I'm making, but just because being here, it's okay. It's just this. It's just, yeah. You know, it's, it's ready, it's could do, don't have to do, could do, but right now this is okay. Yeah. yeah. So this is really a quiet sense, it's not a dramatic powerful center or seemingly powerful it's quiet it's a soft center it's not proving anything worldly terms it doesn't seem like very much this is uh, uh, this is our center So we've been doing some of the uh, qigong exercises. Then part of that is about trying to uh, almost sense inwardly into a center, a center line, a midline. You know, whether you feel anything or not, but at least withdrawing or letting the energies that are going out come back in, collecting inwardly. So that we can't exactly feel tactile but you may feel a certain balance quality and that's one of the hallmarks of it in a physical sense is you feel balanced the balance is center isn't it but where is balance is it in your foot no it's where is it it's it's, it's somewhere and it's nowhere it's everywhere and it's nowhere you know you can't have a balanced thumb (laughs) it's how everything every bit fits together because it's a center, an invisible center, non, non-tangible center around everything which everything coordinates. And it's the sense of mutuality and coordination of all the varying bits of the body, we could say when we stand or in balance, that the shoulders, the belly, the back, the knees, everything is, is aware of that and it's, nothing is missing, nothing's absent, nothing's resisting it. And then we find this lovely balance center. Yeah. and you can feel all the periphery but it's not you're not going out into it it's, the periphery is there but it's kind of softly held and there's a sense of centrality and balance that's what it is in the bodily sense that bodily domain and as I've mentioned many times I see these three domains the bodily domain the domain of the heart and the domain of the intellect as being uh, Three aspects of a of a holistic presence, and uh, but you can start with one that uh, is more available, accessible, 
particular features to it, and the bodily feature has this sense of presence and balance, and you can you can get that. It's very useful because when you you can feel that in your body, hold and being aware of that in your bodily sense, then it also gives a quality of calm, calm and would you say, dignity, uprightness, okayness, contentment. There's this, this theme is there. And you can pick that up in your heart. And perhaps when we do uh, mindfulness of breathing, or we do it, we experience, we let our mindfulness settle on the breathing, then it's exactly breathing into this central, quiet, balanced sense, where it's not... and the. the what happens with in the heart sense of that is that there's no pushing, no gripping, no holding, but there's a settling. It's a settling, pausing, unhurried, yet it's there. We're there. In terms of the intellect, it's the place when we're almost about to articulate something is forming. We're sort of getting to know something. We're just at that point of, ah, aha. And then the thought rises up. So it's sort of just before the thought arises. You know, maybe you see something and then it's, and there's that open place of recognition where we kind of got it and we're just getting it. Yeah, it's that that moment when the light bulb comes on <laughs> but it hasn't yet come out with the words it's just got it so it's a cognitive presence and certainly in all of these the tendency of this is to rush over that to, to skip past it it's there but we skip past it yeah we come up with the answer pretty promptly, or an answer. We come up with a reaction promptly. Something happens and we jump to it. Yeah. When we go to stand up to get out the door, we're already half out the door before we got out to our feet. There's a scramble. We go into the, the green light. The green light is the... Yeah. Yeah. So as I was saying, yesterday, if you want to be wise, learn to be stupid. It means just before you come up with a great idea, just pause at the beginning of that and let yourself rest more deeply into that moment of recognizing to see if you've got the fullness of that. Is it fully there? Yeah. Is it fully rounded yet? Is it fully emerged? We get the flash of, oh yeah, it's that, and then we jump and we react. I know what it is, it's that. Yeah, yeah, okay, well, is that enough? Yeah. Could it be you could know what it is, you know the answer, you know what to do, and you just pause on that, wait for just a little bit more, a little bit more, because then what will come up with it is not just the idea, but the way of holding that idea, way of holding that bit of speech, the way of framing it, the way of checking it, the way of recognizing it, the way of handling it. And as I said that, Yesterday, wisdom is really the handling. It's a wise handling. 
So wisdom isn't just the idea or the thought or the knowledge, but the handling of it, the careful placing of it. Yeah. So we're not just coming up with lots and lots of ideas and know this and know that and the other, but we then when you handle it, actually a little bit is enough. A little bit is enough. Because mm-hmm. this is the property uh, of, of, uh, of mindfulness, actually. The difference between mindfulness and attention. It doesn't take much to be attentive. Well, it takes something sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's just... Get it, but then mindfulness is when we, we've not just got it, but also there's some a wisdom in that has arisen, which is the wisdom of letting it emerge fully, so that the sense of being in the fullness of, of holding that, the fullness of the felt meaning, the sense of that, so then it can be placed. When uh, it's uh, so, I think mindfulness is not perhaps as easy and immediate as one might assume it to be. It's connected with the term to remember. And I don't know what your memory's like. But mine's going, uh, I think it was, when it, was it third? Yeah, uh, uh, give me a moment. Will you? Uh, you know, it's not senior moments anymore. <laughs> it's junior moments and senior it's, like it takes a while before it really forms and even then you know it's like quite certain you know that that's that's where it is now that's as, so that rather than the, the jumping to the assumption or the conclusion there's the is it this and then you feel not necessarily more information but more a sense of presence with that with that piece of you get the feeling of it and in that feeling of it you can sense other things such as uh, impatience or anxiety or gladness or happiness or whatever it is. You know? So then you get the full bit of it. And that is all held carefully. This is the, so this, you know, quality of the center is the quality of pause, the quality of openness, the quality of non-action but non-action that refuses action that rejects action and, uh, and the, the moment of the tipping point the moment of balance when we're about to but not yet about to and not yet and we're listening to what emerges in that place so then at that particular point it's like the turning point of the wave from impact to response, from cognition to articulation, from, uh, in, in the mental sense, from receiving an impression and re- responding to it in the heart. You know. so that point of balance between those polarities, from the, you say, the receptive, having received, formulated to the active, the putting it out. And there's a point there. And that's where you just want to lengthen the pause at that point. So you really allow it to 
to arise and with that comes the sense of the lightness and the balance and the correct holding. This is what to uh, respect, say respect this space. Because it's not a loud space, it's not a dominant space, it's not a flashy space, it's easy to disregard it. Space is the bits continually getting trimmed and pared out of our lives. It's, it's an endangered species. Fill up the space. Continually fill up the moment. This is the, the message, isn't it? So you get used to that kind of jig 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 rhythm. Yeah, and some of it's quite fun, amusing, entertaining. You know, you've got your little thingy, handy thing. You can have, you know, fifteen hundred songs and on. So you never have had a moment without having something you could put in. <laughs> Text somebody, contact somebody in Mombasa or Reykjavik or Santiago, some of the other. You know, so you never have a moment when there isn't something you can get activated by and all that and it's quite fun and it's powerful and amazing and interesting and yeah useful yet <laughs> you know what the, the psychology of respecting space is, is gone space is the dull bit space is the disconnect space is the empty space is the lonely space is the not in touch, space is the out of tune, space is all that. And this is gross disrespect for a medium that is for our basic sanity, health, balance. So we have to really take it quite seriously because nothing else is going to take it seriously. If you don't, <laughs> every, every opportunity in the world to lose it, encouragement to lose it, you've got to, you've got to take it seriously, you know. But seriously, lovingly also, not not a grim thing, this precious possibility. Now, as long as we're in the experience of things manifesting externally or internally, sense objects, duties, things we have to do, presence of other people, say things manifesting, then the space is not about excluding all that, but about finding the medium to stay in your own center and let the response come from that rather than from one's often well-meaning reactivity. 
I'll get this done, I'll get this done, I'll get this fixed, I'll sort it out, I'll get, you know, that thing. Yeah. Often quite well meaning, or this is what everybody else is doing. Alternative is just shut it all off, you know. And this can happen, and particularly, uh, it's almost, uh, uh, you could say, a, a defense pattern when we just can't, it's too much, can't do it, can't handle it, then there's, you know, shut it all down, shut it off. And these are associated with uh, two particular currents of ignorance or unknowing or uncertainty about how we respond when it's called bhava, which is becoming, which means we, we impel into response and reaction in a kind of tumbling way. We tumble on into it with somehow this sense, by doing this, I will get to the end of it. <laughs> if I go a little bit faster, I'll get to the solution. I'll get to the end of it. This is very common. Just get this done and then we'll get to the the nice bit, the end of it. It's like running to the horizon, isn't it? It's funny how the horizon still stays in front of you. (laughs) I sort this out and things will be okay. Then I can meditate. So this is this impelling. It's not, it's not necessarily associated with anything distinctly unwholesome. It's not an ethical thing. It's a psychological tumbling over into things with that kind of mythology behind it, that impression. We'll get through this and then there's the blue water, then everything's okay. And as we're doing that, the churning of our movement churns up more of the blue water. So it's all white water. <laughs> yeah. Life can be spent like this, uh, and then, but what this does, although in fact we may make indeed some progress in terms of fixing the house and so forth, and the, the other, but this, psychologically we haven't really gone anywhere. We've been treading water. You know? We haven't actually got to that end of the end of the story because the story's just got more characters in it now. Now you've got a house, garden, car, dog. Da, 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 da. and you've got to keep all that running too so there's a little more of that to just get sorted out and then everything will be okay <laughs> and so, so it rolls on and this is impelling into it to you know. and of course this is very much advocated particularly in the consumer society because we can always sell you another thing to make it more okay if you work a bit hard and get the money for it you can buy one of these things that give you more leisure but you don't have the leisure because you're working so hard to buy the next labour-saving device. <laughs> so this becoming quality, and it's not just crude external, it's also this psycho- internal. If I could only you know, clear my feelings about so-and-so, my relationship with this and that, the other, my attitudes, then I'll be okay. And, we, and the impelling of that propulsion means that everything we touch, we're looking to get to the end of it. We're looking to make it become something else. That's why it's called becoming. We're making to make this become something else. And internally, I want to become enlightened. 
I want to become more peaceful, a nicer person, whatever it is, and all that, you know, which means never really meeting anything fully because we're always with that inclination, that intention to make it become something else, so I can become something else. This is one powerful propulsion, takes us out of center. It's called bhava, and, uh, or bhava tanha, one of the forms, the second noble truth is just this, karma tanha, the propelling out into the sense spheres, something out there I could, an art, sight, sound, touch, I could build in to make me hit the, to feel okay in the good space. Bhavatana is something I could become to make me come into that, the good space. And, every, yeah. and then the other one is vibhavatana, or vibhava, which is if only I could shut this off, I'd be okay. When I could close this down, I'd be okay. So it's a kind of movement, you could say, a movement backwards, for sake of a better word, just to give you a kind of graphical impression of those currents. I'm always, if I could only have a little more solitude, a little more privacy, a little more time on my own, a little more less to do, I'd be okay. So we're always pulling back, 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 you know. So this is, uh, these are the, the psychological or spirit, spiritual psychological currents that are called um, the origin of suffering. The Buddha didn't say sights are suffering, sounds are suffering, people are suffering, no. He didn't say activity suffering, didn't say jobs are suffering, dogs are suffering, relationships are suffering. He didn't say that. He said the causes, the origin of it is just these tidal currents that impel us into things. Because where are you going to be in a world where there's no senses? You know? <laughs> so you're going to shut that off. Where there's no, nothing you have to do. You know? Shut that off. Or, you know, or there's no sense of having to you know, make something happen or, you know, these directives, but it's that the the way in which prior to pausing, reflecting, meeting, contemplating, we're already in activity. So our centre is lost, the stillness is lost, the sensual stillness is lost, lost, the balance is lost. So we're always in the tumble. And the tumble itself then churns up a lot of other energies, such as a feeling of unbalanced, overwhelmed, there's too much happening to me, uh, overwhelmed, unbalanced, anxious, inadequate, struggling, pressurized, so forth. You know, those currents stir up that and they attract more and more of the same material that our minds keep spinning around in. When we're sitting here, there's nearly not much to do and yet our minds are re- kind of regurgitating the, the, the eddies of those currents with all the data that we can bring up, the memories and the anticipations and the self-images we can bring up that, that ride on and give form to these currents. These are dynamics, but the more that we roll around in them, the more they become structures. As I say, dynamics are rather like waveforms that as they perpetuate have a certain tenacious vortex-like structuring to them. So, after a while, that 
is what we feel ourselves as being. We we are the becoming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and the, and the, and the frustration of that. So it's you know it's salutary to be able to even name it. Not entirely agreeable, but to to, to name that. This is not an ethical issue. It's not a blame situation. It's just a, a realization of uh, the currents that are, that are there for the human being. And the Buddha would only have said this if there was a way out of it. He wasn't trying to twist the knife in the wound. <laughs> He's only saying this in order to... to Realize if you can see this, if you can say this, you're right on the edge of coming out of it. You're right on the point of coming out of it. Yeah. So this is what with the viveka, the overview, means we're coming out of the particular details of our topics, of our what I need to do by Wednesday and so forth, or how I never quite get enough space or time by myself, or whatever it is, and just, ooh, let's just lift off that, and you try to feel the, the current, the tide, the the endless pulling away or the endless pushing into you know, rolling into and all of the vulnerability that that brings you brings with it this is this already is uh, suffering and it makes us very uh, strips us bare we then become even more accessible to forms that will con- to energies that will continue to perpetuate those currents as they say, if you want something done, find a busy person. Because the busy ones are the ones who are really into the, I'll do it, I'll do it, do it. So they'll say, oh yeah, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> if you want something done, find someone who's busy. Because <laughs> those are the people <laughs> who the current of becoming and getting things fixed has, take, has become very prominent in. Doesn't, you know, strangely, it doesn't make sense. Mm. So you can counteract that you know, you use with a little, just a reminder, a slogan. When there's not enough time, when there's not enough time, then you must go slowly. You got first. Your first duty is to come out of that not enough time. You know, because otherwise, you're going to go into that fragmenting crash state so there's a danger signal there's not, not, not enough time that's the danger signal it's not enough time it's time to go slowly it's time to pause it's time to count ten it just takes us just helps us to come off of the push of that reactivity into you know, so you find your presence it doesn't mean you don't respond but you just, first of all, got to come back to your own stillness, your own presence, your own balance. Without that, you're not going to do very good anyway. You know? So this is the pause place, the, 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 the place of ceasing. The ceasing is not annihilation. It's not aversive, it's not annihilation, it's the place where things rest. Niroda. 
the non-running out. So here, for example, when we're doing uh, our chores and there's certainly some kind of time boundary, little bell rings and so forth, just get used to this, hearing the sound of the bell without jumping, you know. When you hear the telephone ring, hear the sound of the telephone ringing without jumping. Yes, the telephone is ringing. Okay, here I am, I'm hearing it. Moment in. Okay. Oh, I'm seeing the phone. <laughs> You know, something just just building in those micro pauses in that reactivity current. I might be a minute late. Yeah. So, yeah. In retreat situation, what I like to see is not everybody rushing in at the same time. I like to see somebody coming in three minutes late and guiltless. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. She's she's keeping her balance. <laughs> Guiltlessly late and walking in. <laughs> and then when you ring the bell at the end of the sitting, it's nice to just have that moment when mm-hmm, here I am. Body, yeah, getting up rather than he jumps up and so on. So we, you know, learning to hear the signal, and yet signal is also a reminder. That what the first thing it's saying to you is go to your centre. You don't you don't hear it. it, it what you generally hear is react. But I'm telling you, try to translate the the, the, the signal, the bell signal or any of those activation signals, the, the, the first message you should hear from it is, go to your center. <laughs> Find out your center. Because you, only then can you really feel you are acting in the full responsibility of what emerges from the center. Learning to leave a day unfinished. So just in a daily life practice, you know, I have this sense if I could only, you know, tie it all up at the end of the day. What gets tied up at the end of the day is me, finally. (laughs) (laughs) So I look, look, bits of paper still on the desk, things unfinished. I don't like that. I like to have it all kind of sorted. No. (laughs) You know, (laughs) That's, that's it. I'm not going to try to keep sangsara tidy. You know, it's just, that's, you know, it's an accurate readout of that's where the energy, that's where the energy wave concluded. <laughs> Stop, pause. Okay, and a little bit of loose space rather than just cram into the last moment. These are kind of daily life suggestions, my suggestions, no, myself, compulsive, um, immediate workaholic act, uh, programs. I wouldn't say that that's all I am, but I can recognize those, take responsibility, and so on. 
So the pause. Now one of the uh, uh, pauses in terms of, or helps us in our, we might say, our, more our determined activities, things we determine, are these uh, the ten parami, I mentioned those, these are a nice um, range of ways in which before, as we act, we act with that in mind, with the generosity, with the patience, with the truthfulness, so there's a collecting so that what comes up comes up with that flavouring to it. Yeah. When we, we act upon something we've you know, got a pile of dishes and you get into that hurry up, hurry up, or get to the end, there's that your action comes up with the patience flavouring to it. So we just one dish, that's all I'm doing. Doing the one dish, putting it down, picking up the next dish, holding it carefully, wiping it putting it down, you know, trying to work like that, the patience and that resolution. Mm. Realising that finally dishes never get finished. There's an endless pile of them. Mm. Truthfulness. This is, so it's truthful with what uh, uh, resources, what we are managing, we've got a clear, you know, steady sense of that. Generosity, the giving quality, and giving is always free. It's a free, it's not an obligation. Obligation is called paying. But giving rather than paying. So it's coming from a, a fullness. And then if, like feeding the ducks, if you've got one breadcrumb and that's it, you give you one breadcrumb fully. If you're not anguishing about not having 20 breadcrumbs, which you've got to get out there by the end of the day. <clears throat> so it's just that. So when we, you know, as I say, in the dana generosity, if you just, with a Buddha rupa, you offer one, you offer one stick of incense. You know, or just even... One thought. I've never seen a Buddha Rupa Rup go, no, stingy. <laughs> One crummy stick of incense, you know, it's always fine. That's it. That's, you know, so the Buddha doesn't, doesn't demand any payment. You know, but just the purity of your honesty and that quality. So it's encouragement. Similarly, you know, it's the sense of what... Uh, a proper sangha is about, you know. So, in monastic sense is where just whatever is offered is offered because just for the joy of the offering. There's no payment. There's no everything is equally appreciated. It's all good stuff because it, because we're treasuring this precious resource of people coming from the center and encouraging that center. It strengthens the center. The more you act from the center, the more that center becomes strong. You respect it. You're not looking at external praise, admiration, whatever. You respect this, this, your own center. And then it, the more you respect it, the stronger it gets. This is cultivation of, of parami. In meditation, then this acts, if you like, as our, as our 
soft dynamic dynamics that, that create a, a soft structure for our lives. Because it's not exactly, you know, it's soft in other words, it's not how much generosity you have or how patient you are. Just you're as patient as you could be at this time. So it's soft in other words, it's not prescribed, but it's encouraged you know, to be a little more than patient than you were. That's all, just a little bit more for one more minute, that's all, you know, like that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it, the dynamic of that becomes a soft structure and it's able to flex and grow. It's not fixed. So perhaps with time, you know, sometimes you can get a little more patient, it will grow. And that, so that, that's a structure that can, is, is subject to, to growth. It's soft, it's potent, it's green. You know, when we hold our lives with that, that re- respect for the center means that now we could meditate. You know, you know now that the, you've, you've created the ground for the meditation to occur. As I said earlier, you know, really, I don't like to have anything that's sounding negative about anything. Really about. Because everybody's trying the best they can to encourage whatever we can, you know. But in the long run, I, I kind of feel that that, in, that however much we try to meditate and so on, that that come, really it's almost that our attempts to meditate and our inability to do so can keep directing us to a wider field of cultivation. You know, so I can't really meditate. You know, or my mind is all confused. And I said, "I better, t- I better just stop being so active." Uh, I can't really meditate because I'm obsessed with guilt and worry. Well, uh, yeah, it means perhaps if I learn to be a little more joyous and giving and develop good friendships. So often, our inability to meditate <laughs> can kind of, if we listen to the message, can send out the uh, the the directives to how to cultivate the field that we live within. You know, right livelihood right action, right thought, right speech, moral precepts, friendships, and so forth. And then as that comes together, then, oh, you know, then almost the center forms, and then we've got something where the meditation can occur. It's partly this, this awareness of a, of a field, which is what, right view is, a field of cause and effect, a field of gratitude, of appreciation of what we inherit, a field of respect and realization or recognition of there are those who have realized awakening and we're somehow we're, we're in that field also, recognizing that uh, this very life doesn't just terminate at death and begin with the birth of the body, because that would be the only example of a separate instance in the whole universe everything's connected you kind of something that suddenly bonk pops up and then bonk drops dead but you know you have a, a rising up of factors that generate this particular being of streams and multi a skein of streams and currents that crystallizes to form this and some of those will drop away within a year 10 years five years 20 years 50 years 100 years you know so and in the middle of that we have this sense of being a person. But who I am now is certainly not who I was when I was 18 months old. 
it could carry some of those potentials, but a lot more has been added since, and some of it's fallen away. Thankfully. <laughs> so that sense of this realization of what it is that's arising, you're handling a current, a skein of many streams and vortices. It's, it's all have their potentials. So there's no hurry in it. But there is the responsibility for handling it. And it's all kind of connected to causal principles. So in a sense, this it's also causing time, but it's also in space. What's around me, who's around me, the fact that there is, you know, space in, out of the rain around me. I'm really grateful. It helps me to meditate. So in a way, uh, we keep cultivating the field within which we can feel more comfortable, more integrated, more sense of respect for this, respect for that, to others as to myself, which is the great mantra of, uh, of, of holism, holism, holistic understanding. And then what can occur is, is because although one's in a field, of, the field is being properly cultivated from the centre, from a true centrality, rather than from trying to get everything sorted out, but bringing forth from one centre into the field around you, then your centre gets stronger. And when you sit, you can feel this inner balance of self-respect. It's not a puffed-up self-respect, it's just there's no disrespect. There's no self-wounding. There's no tyrant beating us up. There's no tide of compulsion to get and to have and to make. There's an openness, there's no sense of having to resist things. Or that all those ties at least are diminished. May not be completely finished, but they're diminished. And you can see there is a a certain central presence, even in the midst of some of these vortices. And this is really where the other uh, factors, like the Enlightenment factors, for example, Paramount will talk about those, begin to emerge. The first of these is mindfulness. As I said, mindfulness, well, samasati, right mindfulness, I, I don't think it is as immediate as may seem, as placing attention, that's certainly a big part of it. But as I suggested, there's also the intentionality with that, the way in which we place attention, the holding, the listening, the fullness of that, the sense of meeting, holding the balance, I don't think those are always so easy, so immediately there. We, certainly some things, but other things we are attentive to, but not really mindful of. If we can place our attention on it, but we're not softening into the full settling onto that experience, settling onto it. So, and of course with mindfulness of breathing, how we can just settle onto the breathing without holding it, gripping it, sliding off it, but meeting it, letting it meet our, our attention. And that meeting place, this is what we call true mindfulness, the ability to really take in, bear in mind, hold it without involved, getting caught in it, nor dominating it, nor reacting to it. And this is the first of the enlightenment factors. It's beautiful quality, samasati.
And when there's mindfulness, there isn't how much mindfulness. If it's how mindful am I, that's not mindfulness. There's the recognition of it's lost, it's gone. And the recognition of there is that settling. But there's no accountancy in that. There's no got to be more mindful. There's no more mindful. You can't say, I'll have even more balance. You know, how big is your balance? It's just that, isn't it? It's, it's complete in itself. Some objects we may not be very mindful of, that's true. Our, mindfulness, our ability to be mindful may not be that strong, but the quality of mindfulness is exactly the same. So we feel a contentment in that, and a, a, and a sense of com- completeness in that. So this is why it's an enlightenment factor. Immediately with that, there is a quality of awakening to that, to that stillness, to that sense of inner poise that we so long for because it is where we feel our home, our collectedness, our completion. And in other words, this isn't just building up awakening. It's every factor is, in a way, an expression of awakening, a, 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 a taste of it. Investigation, the ability of the mind to deeply hold and look into those causes and currents in a curious way. This is a lovely term that I've heard people use. So instead of a, what on earth is all this, you know, a kind of frustration to try and get to the heart of this, is curious. How is this? So it's, it's selfless. We're not trying to fix or figure something out. We're just teasing out the skein. Yeah. Because there is mindfulness, because there is that stillness and contentment, we can just take our time teasing out, oh, this is the quality, discerning the qualities. Yeah. This is the painful, this is the reactive. This is the, so you're like looking into a web. And it's the, with this is a deepening, also with that stillness of non-identification, anatta. Energy, rapture, so energy that feels motivated. Not driven, not compelled, but there's a keenness, a motivation, because this is what we call joyful, or joyful energy. Energy of some enthusiasm, some brightness in what we're doing, rather than a, you know, got to get, but enjoying the play of it. Joyful energy. Uh, rapture. So how does energy become rapture rather than rupture? (laughs) So if you get that one right, you've you've definitely done a lot with your vava-vibhava instincts. (laughs) There's the sense of the the joy of of, of an effort where the mind is, is delighting, feeling its own strength, feeling its own agility, Feeling his own happiness as as we as we handle things, piti, pasadi, sense of being able to soothe, smooth out, like we're beautifying, beautifying the mind, beautifying what's these currents that arise, and this is where uh, the sense of samadhi, unification occurs, because it's the 
Uh, Samadhi is quite a big topic. Mm. But uh, consider tranquility to be less less valium-tinted and more grooming, like, like you're brushing a horse, you know, in the sense of the gloss and the smoothness, brushing out the, the crinkles and the tangles. So it's not a dulling effect, it's not a compressing effect, it's a smoothing, making something smooth, softening, carefully brushing. Um, you know, doing this to, to your own body, with your mind, brushing over the textures, the skin, sweeping the body, just as if you've got a soft brush and, I don't know, perhaps you don't like to be filly or a horse. <laughs> but that's the only thing I see people brushing with care. <laughs> Often with yourself, it's kind of scrub, scrub, brush, brush, knock, knock. But, you know, just that kind of careful grooming, because the one delights. One loves the thing that one is, one, is, one, is, one is brushing, and there's this sense of delighting in the work, not get it done, shut up, be still. So through the body and the mind. Perhaps we might begin with the body, beginning with the mind, what it takes to have that smoothing, loving quality of, of applied joyful energy to our, to our tangledness rather than frustration at it, or fully locked in it. The result of this is samadhi. Samadhi, again, a little reminder I could offer, my understanding of it, that maybe, maybe help you, is samadhi isn't something you do. It's not concentrate. Samadhi is a result. Arriving at a collected state. So that perhaps tends to take the emphasis not from the doing concentration. And for me, doing, when I do concentration on anything, there's a kind of tightening. And worldly concentration, it's the furrowed forehead, isn't it? It's the sign of the concentrated mind. You know, tightened eyes, tightened forehead. Concentrating. Excuse me, I'm really concentrating on something. So... Uh, whereas, where's the happiness? Where's the smoothing? Where's the joyfulness in that? Where's the settling? Where's the comfort? Where's the resting in that? It isn't, it isn't there. So don't do concentration. This is my bit. If other teachers tell you to do concentration and it works for you, my blessings. It doesn't work for me. Um, so you, know, so you just f- work it out for yourself what you want to do. But uh, when we look at the factors of, of samadhi, again, I repeat something I said before. If one is free from regret because one has a sense of self-respect, respect for others, a moral ethical sense, you don't abuse others, you don't abuse yourself, then your heart will be gladdened. You'll be free from the taint of regret, remorse, and anxiety. If your heart is gladdened, you'll feel a sense of gladness. You can take it into your body. Your body will feel restful and relaxed and balanced. When your body is refreshed and relaxed and balanced, your mind will be happy. A happy person's mind concentrates by itself. It comes into it. There's no, and the, as a sutta where the Buddha says, there's no need to make a further intention and further effort 
to do so. If you build it up consecutively, one thing flows from one to the other. So it's just that inclination as we feel the sense of happiness, just to rest and stay and collect this and send it the message through the body, the heart, and the thinking mind, because they, they easily fragment. So, you know, it's just settling, one place, settling down. And uh, equanimity, the last of the enlightenment factors, is this very precious and top of the list, and all these lists, rightly so, because it's indeed that which can hold the space between it's holding the space between myself or my apparent self and you. Where I'm not rushing into you, I'm not pushing you away. Holding my space between my frustration and that which bothers me. The things I really want to get done and, and I must get this done and, and, and the sense of I don't know how to do this. You know, there's contradictions. And it's just wait, hold the space. Trust what arises, trust what emerges. If nothing emerges, just widen, soften, listen a bit more deeply, give it the time. And there's arising an emergence of realization, of recognition, of wisdom, which is not mine, not coming from me. It it's arises from the fear of equanimity, from the stillness, from the poise. Mm. So... That's enough, I think, talking this morning, for me anyway. Um, So just again, encourage you to find those pauses, the micro-pauses between cognition and articulation. So cognition is the moment we recognize articulations when we form it into a thought. Just finding that, are you sure? Like, not yet sure. You put it, not yet sure. Not yet sure. Between the impact and your response, yeah, not quite sure. Not quite there yet. Putting that there. And in your body, between the, the go for it and not yet in balance, not yet here. Just trusting and respecting that rather than seeing it as a dithering or whatever. And this, this, is, your, this is your refuge place. You respect and value that. You're not going to get thrown out by the currents of bhava, vibhava. And you'll get to the end of suffering. 